Welcome to Grit, Guts, and Determination, the Leadville Race Series podcast. I'm your host, Cole Clover, son of race founder, Ken Clover. And I'm going to take you on a journey of rich storytelling through our now 40-year rich history. And I invite you to sit back and listen to these eccentric stories. But don't forget to take a few notes along the way because these eccentric stories are going to have tricks and tips to get you to that line come summer. So sit back, enjoy, and then we'll see you at home. We'll see you in Leadville. All right, Leadville family, if you want to know about digging deep, today's guest might know more about digging deep than anybody else I possibly know. Today's guest is James Lawrence, better known as Iron Cowboy. He has done the 50-50-50, which is 50 triath- Ironman distance triathlons in 50 days in 50 states. He's done the Conquer 100, which is 100 Ironman distance triathlons in, in continuously. And he's also been a part of our Leadville family and out on that Leadville Trail 100 mountain bike course. So get out your pens and papers. We've got a lot of notes for you to take because today you're going to take away the grit, gut, and determination it's going to take to see that line in August. We have a saying in Leadville, you don't find Leadville, Leadville finds you. Well, James, when did Leadville find you? Well, Leadville found me um, completely unexpected, completely unprepared in 2016. Um, we, we were coming off of a couple of different accomplishments, and um, the opportunity presented it to, uh, to, to me. And I had no idea um, really what I was getting into, um, but that's, that's when uh, Leadville found me. Well, that's awesome. I definitely want to pick your brain a lot more about that experience, but I want to talk about some of those other experiences and challenges you just mentioned first. Um, One of those is, you know, a lot of times we see success come from what we think is going to be a failure. For my dad, a cowboy father of mine, it was in 1983 when mining collapsed. But for you, it seems to be more around 2010, a loss of a job and a car and a recession. Can you tell us about that time in your life and what what the challenges were and what changed for you? Yeah, you know, I'm I'm actually originally from Calgary, Alberta, Canada, and, and I moved here on a total whim to visit one friend. And I was prepared for the American dream experience. And um, to, to me, from the outside looking in uh, from another country, that is, you're an entrepreneur, you got a wife, you got some kids, you got a mortgage. Um, and I was doing all of it. And, uh, you know, there was a, my, my wife's family was big into real estate and a couple, couple members were builders and some were real estate agents. And then I saw an opportunity to, to become a mortgage broker and fill that need. And so, um, you know, became a mortgage broker and started going down that road and was having a lot of success and was living that American dream. And then as um, world history has it, the 2008 to 2010, 11 economy crash was, was crippling. Um, and it affected many people in different ways. And, and for us, it meant losing everything. 
um, and, and ultimately hitting rock bottom. Um, and so that was kind of a, a major turning point in, in our lives and our journey. And uh, I had to redefine what the American dream looked and felt like. Well, that can be very challenging for sure. I mean, my family's definitely been through that same thing. Um, and we're going to get into your bigger achievements. But before we do, in Leadville, my dad and I spend a good deal of our time giving people the how and the why as they look at these challenges that you've taken on, uh, that we're trying to get them to take on. And you've come through these monumental challenges and have a very powerful how and why to do so. Can you speak to our family members about that how and why, what, what it is that becomes important to you to translate into success? Yeah, I mean, the how and why is, is going to be very unique and different to, to everybody. And I, th I think that's kind of the beautiful thing about us all being unique and individuals is one, everybody's heart is a little bit different. And, and I truly believe that we're never just standing still. We're either moving forward or we're slipping backwards. And, and I think the discomfort of these challenges and something like a Leadville um, helps us move towards progress in our lives, helps us move towards being a little bit more gritty, a little bit more mentally tough. And, you know, I, I, I like to try to find human potential. And, and these challenges that we've done over our career for the past decade or so always pushes the, the envelope of, of what's possible mentally and physically. And um, each time we're doing one of these challenges, it's the hardest, most impossible thing we've, we've ever done and could think of. But when you choose to continue to show up on your journey, um, it's amazing when you reach success and in whatever it is, it, it creates momentum and all of a sudden more becomes possible. And, and that's kind of been the, how our, our career has gone is, is we do these hard challenges and it, it is, it's impossible when, when we're in the middle of it and everybody <laughs> seems to enjoy telling us that it's impossible. Um, and then we have success, we overcome and, and more becomes possible. Well, and that's a great jumping off point. So in 2010, you're, you're restructuring or reinventing yourself. Now it's 2012 and you kind of, to my knowledge, come on the scene. One of your accomplishments makes it into the Guinness Book of World Records. Can you tell us what that first achievement in 2012 was? Yeah, so that was... That was uh early stages in our discovery um, journey of mental and physical toughness. And it was actually our second Guinness World Record. And the first one was was to raise money for, for building dams in Africa and a, and a children feed or orphanage feeding center. And I was just, I'd lost everything. And I was like, well, I, I want to see if I can give back. Um, I, I know what, what rock bottom and losing everything feels like. And and could I, could I make an impact elsewhere? And so we set out on a journey in 2010 to to break the official Guinness World Record for the most half Ironmans done in a single calendar year. And at the time, uh, I mean, I, we were just getting into this. So we, we it was hard, man. And it, it was it was 22 half Ironmans in 30 weeks. Um, and then and then, you know, you gain experience, a little bit of knowledge like we just alluded to. And in 2012, we, we set out to to break the Guinness World Record for the most official events Around the world, we put 30 full Ironmans on the calendar through 11 countries. Um, and I think it's maybe important to note, uh, 
most of your listeners will probably know, but for those that don't, an iron distance triathlon and a full distance triathlon is a 2.4 mile swim, a 112 mile bike ride, followed by a full marathon run, which is 26.2 miles. And so in that 2012 campaign, um, we, we were again trying to raise money and, and put 30 official events all sanctioned um, from around the world and tried to try to get our second world record. Well, and I mean, that sounds just daunting. And we are definitely no stranger to other people's attempts of like, I, I don't really want to say similar. We've had Dean Carnassus visit us with his 50 marathons in 50 days. But in 2015, you took that kind of challenge to a whole new new level. Um, so you're talking about 30 Ironman distances in 2015. What did that look like? Yeah, and it's funny you brought up Dean because he was the absolute inspiration for this <laughs> challenge. And and right near the end of 2012, I was I remember distinctly. I was race 27, up 30. We were at Ironman Arizona. Uh, my wife, my my five kids were there with me, and and um, I I just looked at Sunny and I said, this isn't this isn't it. We haven't reached you know the the pinnacle of what's possible. And I'm so I'm slowly realizing over time that. It, it, it's almost impossible to reach physical mental limits outside of discovering it through death. And um, because as you gain knowledge, you continue to push and, and more becomes possible. But I saw, I watched Dean's story and I heard his stuff and was just incredibly inspired by, by what he did. And it was a marathon a day for 50 days through all 50 States. And, and he was very well known. And I, I just thought to myself, man, if, if he did that with, with marathons, what would it look like to try to attempt to do that with the full iron distance, um, 50, 50 Ironmans, 50 days, 50 states? Well, and um, it was just that that's the journey we set out on. And, and well, that, that was a journey. Well, yeah, there's just so many more challenges with the bike, with the swim. Um, I mean, what really made you want to do this 50-50 challenge? Uh, and I mean, just what really made you believe it was going to work? Yeah. Um, I think there was a lot of naivety going into it that made us thought it would work. <laughs> um, you know, and, and, and really what made it, uh, incredibly more difficult than what Dean did was he was, was running and, and he could cover that distance in, you know, three, three and a half, maybe four hours. Yep. And he had a lot of recovery time and a lot of travel time. Well, when you when you're trying to do 50 consecutive full distance triathlons, you have to pace yourself. And, and we were looking at 14 hours a day, um, and then we had to figure out how to get to the next state and averaging, you know, less than four hours of sleep at night. And, and you quickly run into exhaustion and chaos. Um, and so that that's what made it infinitely harder. But the reason was, again, we always try to try to make an impact on others. Uh, we wanted to to raise money. And awareness for the childhood obesity epidemic and a crazy statistic i heard is this is the first generation ever where the parents are slated to outlive the kids and it's because of the the nutritional uh circumstances surrounding it and the ease to to bad food and and i mean you look around and there's it, it seriously is an epidemic um and, and we wanted to to try to have as big of an impact on that as we could as a little family and and that became um you know our focus on, on trying to have that impact and at that point it just is like hey we got to figure out how to keep this moving how to raise as much money as possible 
Well, and how how did you do for that? How much did you raise for that? Yeah, the the funds came in even after the documentary was released. The documentary is still on Amazon Prime, and and so we ended up raising uh, during the campaign a little over eighty thousand um, dollars, which I know was was instrumental for the Jamie Oliver Foundation and in, in in getting out information and education and and food and everything for these school programs. And you know, we we have high hopes that the the work continues to go on and and that the impact that we and the effort that we put in was impactful. Well, and yeah, I love to hear that because at Lifetime and at the Lifetime Foundation, um, actually that is their mission as well, is tackling child obesity through uh, school lunch programs and school nutrition. And we've actually taken on a mission to recreate and, and remove harmful ingredients out of lunches nationwide. And we're making more rapid progress each year so it's great to hear that we're both on that same kind of path well it's actually funny because um i i had found out about lifetime's initiative uh before the 50 and as we were leading up to it we were trying to find the right partners and everything and i had conversations with lifetime um to try to do a lot of them around the lifetime fitness centers and everything um across the country and it we just we just ran out of planning time to 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 really have a good partnership but but i i that's one of the things that that made me gravitate towards the lifetime brand was their their cause their initiative behind this childhood obesity um effort well yeah i mean i we came across that same statistic you did and you know it terrifies us and we don't want we don't want any parents outliving their children and and want to get a good handle on that but so you know your focuses grow your challenges grow um you know if the 50 50 50 didn't sound hard enough in 2001 uh, 2021 you came up with a whole new goal and challenge and that was called the conquer 100 now let's ramp up the 50 50 50 and you tell us what the conquer 100 was about yeah so just to backtrack a little bit we we had made some some decisions during the the 100 in order to keep the campaign going in order to raise as much money as possible and from the public's perception we we had made some mistakes and i had gone on after the the 2015 campaign and and I've spoken in 48 countries around the world and it's been an amazing experience and and our story has given people hope um, but I'd always wanted to redo the 50 because nobody had ever done it before and, and we were just really learning how to do this and it was it became so chaotic that that it didn't go perfectly sure and um, and so I'd always said man I wish I could redo the 50 but never really wanted to redo the 50 <laughs> and because the purpose, the purpose of the 50 was was to see how many consecutive we could do. Well, we we complicated it by by throwing in all 50 states and whatnot. So, pandemic hits in 2020, and I, my world of speaking and coaching and racing gets shut down. And um, I saw it as an opportunity to to maybe have that do over. Um, and so I thought to myself, okay, if I can remove chaos, if I can put team and systems and 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 protocols in place, can we double? what what was deemed impossible and could we possibly go out and defy logic and so march 1st um one year ago we're almost on the a year anniversary of the start um we 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 created a course here in utah and we were going to do um a quarter of a year's worth of consecutive 
full distance triathlon. So <laughs> it, it, would, it, would, it was going to end up being over 14,000 consecutive miles with, with no days off, March 1st through June 8th. Oh, gosh. Well, it, it, yeah, I mean, you, you gave us some numbers early on for our runners and bikers who aren't all doing triathlons, and I'd like to expand on that because uh, another one of my heroes is Marshall Ulrich, you know, and at age 57, he ran across America in 53 days. But for everybody trying to math about your challenge on the Conquer 100, that's 26,000 miles and 2,620 miles of running. That's just 560 something shy of that run across America. But you added on 8,000 plus bike miles and 240 plus swimming miles in that same 100 days. So I'd like to take a, a sm small sidebar here. And acknowledge that I'm sure many of our family members are already wanting to learn more about you. Where can they learn more about these challenges you've taken on? Where can they see these documentaries and uh, really dig in at what services you offer? I want you to, to give yourself a little shout out here. Oh, well, thanks, man. Uh, yeah, you know, everything can be um, re-experienced through our website, ironcowboy.com. We've got a very um, detailed blog in there that covered the 50 days and then and very detailed over the 100 days. Um, and we went live every day on social media. And my, my, I, I'm most active on Instagram. And so our website's ironcowboy.com. And our Instagram handle is at ironcowboyjames. And, and you can find out everything we're doing. The, the current documentary about the 50 is on Amazon Prime. And we've got that book that's on Amazon or our website called Redefine Impossible. The new documentary about the hundred and the book will be coming out later this year. Um, we're hoping for a, a November release for both of those. Okay, awesome. And let's get back to the Conquer 100. I mean, that's doubling your hardest feet with the 50-50-50. What did that take? I mean, I keep asking you if it seemed possible and you keep saying, you know, Oh, we're pushing to see what's possible. But what did, I mean, you're telling me you didn't, here you are, you get this redo. You don't want to redo the 50, 50, 50. Instead, you just double it up. So what did that really take? <laughs> but what did it also maybe take off not having the challenges of the, the 50 states? Yeah, and I think I think that's why we believed it was possible because we knew how hard it was on me and how hard it was on the team to to do the do those logistics and do that travel. Um, and we thought, okay, if we can stage this around our home in Utah, and I could have my family still around me and, and have the ability to sleep in my own bed and access to um, you know my physical trainers that didn't have to travel, they they could also be here. Um, we, we thought doubling it was realistic. Um, but again, it, it's hard to ever imagine the compounding effect of, of daily activity. And, and if, and if going from 30 in a year to 50 consecutive is staggering, you can only imagine what doubling it from 50 to a hundred is, even when you try to control a lot of the environment, a lot of the variables, um, 
there's just so much that is unknown that that, that, that you just don't know what the body's going to do, what the mind is going to do, what the team is going to do, what the weather was going to do. I mean, on day number day number one, it was 18 degrees outside in Utah, and and over the course of the next six eight weeks, um, we had rain, sleet, snow, hurricane winds. Um, <laughs> but we learned we learned it from our from our past, and we refused to do one one step, one pedal stroke um, inside, and so we bared every element outside, and um, and th- we left no doubt that that we accomplished this to the highest degree possible. Well, for sure. And I, I mean, let's be clear, I didn't have any doubts with the 50, 50, 50. Um, but, uh, you know, like, it seems like the 50, 50, 50 is always changing, always new, kind of an ongoing loop, if you will. It seems like this Conquer 100 is more like to our endurance folks, like the three mile loop race, you know, like, I'm sure you had a lot of moments of wanting to quit in both. How did you convince your mind that these challenges are possible? And what were the different highs and more of the lows that you had to fight off in each? Yeah, I I think there's absolute benefits. Um, You know, you would think by doing the same course every single day, it'd become very repetitive and very boring, which it was. But it created a sense of confidence uh, because, you know, we we did have a a high level of exhaustion. We had a very uh, high level and variety of injuries that we were dealing with and managing. Um, But there was a a level of confidence because we'd we'd done the course and we knew what it was. And I, I became very familiar with it. And have you ever had that experience where you're driving somewhere and you get home and and um and you're like, oh man, I don't, I don't remember how I got here, <laughs> uh, but you made it, and, and that 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 started to become part of the journey. Is it, it became automatic, it became routine, it became familiar, and I and I think we needed that familiarity because the lows were so low. Um, you know, we we came up with the concept to do the Conquer 100, and we were actually originally going to do it in the fall of 2021, and just I had the biggest impression to to move it up in the year. And I didn't know why. Um, and and as as time revealed itself, um, there was massive fires um, that year or this that that year that we did it yeah. late in the season, and it was very very abnormally hot. and And the air quality here in Utah would have almost been un, un um, unrealistic to to be outside and doing this this type of thing. And so it was very fortuitous that I that I listened to that prompting and. Uh, moved it up, but it also created some issues because we had a very short training camp. Um, I had taken five years off from from competitive racing, and then tried to piece this together within four months of, of training. We did a four month training camp, and that increase of volume, uh, I, I tore my ankle in training, and I didn't tell anybody about it, um, and that that caused a, a, a chain reaction of injuries that we had to manage over the, the hundred days. Um, and very early on, I developed stress fractures in, in my shins that I was I was literally waiting for the moment that I was going to break my leg. Um, and in fact, I'm having surgery tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. as of the recording of this um, to fix that ankle because uh, I tried to start running again and it just it just it recreated that pain and and uh, I, th- I thought maybe it had healed itself, but it hadn't. And, and so I'm gonna gonna go in there and, and, and fix it proper and, and get get back to, to normal training. 
Oh my God. It's funny what our normals become, I, but you talk about a daunting <laughs> challenge. I mean, so how do you keep a positive mindset through all that you're just beginning. And I, I love this because this is where our athletes are typically beginning, right? They're, they're trying to take on the hundred, which either one and, and they get excited. They train a lot early and they come in hurt and, and you're doing the same thing. You're going in hurt, but it's a monumental challenge and you do have injuries. You are hurt. How do you keep the mind positive through that? Yeah, it's interesting because th this Leadville race that you guys put on, the, the bike one that, that I, I have done once and have an opportunity to again do this year, um, it, it's, a, it's a lot of people's Everest. It's a lot of people's 100. Um, and and they, they, they put everything into it, their life, their, their soul, their heart, and mind, body, spirit, all of it. And, and when, you, when you do that, there are setbacks, and some of those setbacks come in the form of injury. And so... You know, like anything, you have to be, you have to be very present and, and, and not what I call catastrophize. Um, catastrophizing is when you look at a future event that hasn't happened yet, and it's typically the worst case scenario. And um, it, it's super important to, you know, okay, look, this is what I'm dealing with now. What are my options today? Not worrying about, you know, because we were on day, day five. Right. And that, that ankle injury shot shot straight into my shins. And, and I was staring down the loaded barrel of a shotgun with 95 more to go. Yes. And that would have crippled anybody. Oh, um, yeah. And, and, that, and, that's, and that's what we have to do in life and in training is be like, okay, what are my options right here, right now, today? Because that's all I can control. And so anybody that's been training for Leadville and getting ready for these big challenges, um, you just really have to take it one day at a time and be be – be optimistic. Optimism, uh, optimism is always a key because as soon as we start focusing on everything going wrong and all the problems and we start to spiral and catastrophize, that's when we get into problems. And, and it's always about dialing it back, focusing on just what we can control and, and trying to have the best optimistic attitude we can about it. That's such great advice. Um, yeah, so now we, if we skip back to you just finished a 50-50-50, and uh, you're learning about the Leadville Trail 100. It's hit your radar. You're going to come out and do it in 2016. Did you have mountain bike experience at that time? Did you did you only have the the kind of road experience? Yeah, you know, uh, I, I I I had heard about Leadville. I knew how big of a deal it was. I knew how difficult of a challenge it is. Um, I had many friends telling me uh, amazing stories, horrifying stories, <laughs> challenging stories. And I was like, I have to be part of this family and uh, was fortunate enough to get in, but uh, unfortunately had very limited um, miles and hours on a mountain bike. And um, I, I, it was just a very steep learning curve for me. I have learned a lot over the, the, the past few years, I've really embraced the mountain. I love the variety of it. I love the challenge of it. Um, I'm getting better every single day, but still, it's, it's hard. Um, had an opportunity over the the year after Leadville to do the Cape Epic in um, South Africa. Uh -huh. Learned a lot about mountain bike racing there. Um, and, and so, yeah, I'm just really excited to tackle it again. 
Um, but I, the first time I did it, I was zero experience in way over my head um, and just, just relied on um, just my, my biking strength and, and my mental toughness experience that I had. So that's, is that how you attacked Leadville different from these other days long endurance challenges? Uh, is there any other adjustments beyond just that that you made? Did you have any anticipations going in? Yeah, you know, I, I, I had no idea what to expect. Um, I, I live in Utah, and so I wasn't too concerned about the elevation um, that, that does concern and scare a lot of people. I mean, dude, if, I, if I lived in Florida I and mean, come to <laughs> do your race, I, I would be insanely panicked. Uh, but we live in a place where I can get up on a bike up to, you know, 12, 13, even 1,400 feet. Um, sorry, 14,000. Right, right, right. Um, which is advantageous for, for doing your, your race. But, you know, I just, I just took it one pedal stroke at a time and, and I just said, okay, hold on. Um, and, and eventually that, that finish line will, will get closer. Um, I, I'll tell you this, I was not prepared, um, for the insanely fast shotgun start that happens <laughs> at Leadville on the, on the road before you get up to the trail. Um, I had no idea that was going to take place. And within the first three miles, my heart is in my throat and I'm gasping for air, one because of the altitude and one because of the effort that was that was put out. And I was like, you know what, I gotta I gotta back off here. I gotta do my own race because the goal is obviously to to get through this thing and uh, and maybe maybe have an outside chance at one of those belt buckles. <laughs> well, yes, I, I'm glad you brought that up with the start being so anaerobic because I often describe Ooh. the pace of Leadville as that of a time trial, no matter if you're going for the win, for a sub nine, or for a sub 12. The course tends to divide you into one of the groups and finds a way to eat at you and test you all day. Did you find that to be the same case during your bit at Leadville? Did it, did it ever ease up or did it just feel like it was hitting back all day? Oh, dude, it was, it, it, it was a it was a 12 round boxing fight with Mike Tyson all day. Um, and it, it start it starts out with the, the most ferocious uppercut you've ever, ever experienced from Mike. And, and it, it does not let off. And it was just an amazing experience and one that I wasn't ready for. And I, and I will train and prepare a little bit differently than, than I did the, the first time around. Um, just because I have that knowledge. Yeah. There, there's no warm up. <laughs> uh, when it comes to Leadville, I mean, you better be prepared to for, for what's coming in those first few miles. Well, yes, we love the Mike Tyson reference in Leadville. We often use it as, you know, Mike Tyson tells you everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth. <laughs> but, yeah, and, and, and the start of Leadville is, is the biggest, most ferocious punch in the mouth you've ever received. <laughs> it's amazing. Well, that's good advice for these people to be getting right now. Well, so, you know, we're family at Leadville. You're a part of that family, but I also know that you're a very big family man as well. Um, you're entrepreneurial and how you've reinvented yourself for sure, as you've stated. Uh, how is your family fitting in that component today? Like I know your daughter's helping book your appearances, your wife's appearing with you on a lot of this. Are they also traveling to many other races with you? How's that unfolding? Yeah, uh, you, 
No, I've got five kids, four daughters and a son. And when they were little, they came to all my races with me. But, you know, I've got four teenage girls now. Uh, my daughter Lucy's 19. She works for me full time, like like you mentioned. And uh, they're just very busy in their lives. They're, they're very ambitious um, with their school goals, with their social life goals. Um, and uh, they, they now just get to hear the stories when I come home. Uh, but my <laughs> wife, she, she always says, I can travel with James anytime we want, um, whether it's to a, to a race um, or to a speaking engagement. And she, she kind of picks her spots. Okay. Um, but she's, she's getting more into the mountain bike biking as well. She, she like me, uh, started with triathlon and road biking, um, but has, has really, really uh, embraced the mountain. And in fact, I, at the end of this last season, I got her a, an e-mountain bike oh. that we haven't had an opportunity to use yet because the, the snow flew right away. But it's, man, I love it because now, you know, she, she was, there's a little bit of a gap between my friends and, my, uh, and her and um, she, she would always ride with us and we would stop and wait and she'd get to us and we'd be like, okay, here we go. And she's like, hold on, I just got here. And so the, the evac is going to be a great opportunity for her to ride with us and still get that same amazing, amazing workout. But the family dynamic is a lot of fun. Um, we've got a training studio set up at our house, and my, my wife and I ride a few times a week together and do do our strength and and, and, and lifting work. Um, but yeah, it's just a it's just amazing to have the family along with us, and they've been been on the journey the whole time. Now, with your kids, have they followed uh, in your steps athletically at all, or are they more following in just entrepreneurially? I mean, have you spooked them off? Uh, well, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, I, I possibly spooked them. They've had a front row seat to chaos. Um, <laughs> but no, my my uh, my actually my youngest daughter just started getting into track and is really enjoying it. Um, and my older girls, they kind of play like rec basketball, but they're, they're more the entrepreneurial and, and we encourage them to do, um, passions and activities that they really enjoy. I, I, I always get a little disgruntled when I see parents kind of trying to live their glory days through their kids. And, and we want to make sure that we, we have our kids enjoying what they're doing. And so none of them so far have, have chosen to do this. My son, uh, he quite likes riding, um, his, his dirt bike, um, and, and I, I could see him getting more into it. But as of now, they are kind of cautiously um, observing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sometimes that's a lot better. My dad always says, you know, it's best to find out what your kids are good at and encourage them to do it. So it sounds like that's the, the full path they're on. Now, I hear you also have big news. I understand that you're going to be retiring from the triathlon world this summer and trading more for full-time road and dirt wheels, gravel wheels. Uh, first off, we'd like to say congratulations and welcome to the dark side. We're happy to have you. But what's bringing <laughs> yeah. this change about? You cut out there oh, when you asked the question. Sorry. Uh, what is bringing this change about? What is making you want to push into these new worlds uh, on full-time wheels? Yeah, so so I, I, I've always wanted to do um, the, the full-distance triathlon called Challenge Roth in Roth, Germany. Um, and, and it's kind of the last thing that I want to accomplish in the sport. I mean, I've done Kona, and I've done Norseman, and I've done – close to 200 full distance triathlon. I mean, I've just, I've just really experienced everything I've wanted to experience. And, and of the three, 
Um, I absolutely love cycling. I mean, I probably have eight different bikes at my house and I love every style and I'm, the more I learn, the more bikes I get and um, just, just how exciting every, every different aspect of, of, of biking is. Um, and, and, and really it's just, I get the most enjoyment out of it. It's the easiest on my body. Um, I, I, I grew up a wrestler and so I've, I've always had some shoulder issues. So swimming is, is problematic. And then running is just very hard on my body. I'm a, a little bit bigger um, for an endurance athlete, which yep. doesn't punish me as much um, on, on the bike. And, um, and, and yeah, I just, I'm going to retire from, from long distance racing uh, triathlon this summer at, at challenge Roth. Um, and then really shift my focus to, to gravel riding, mountain riding, uh, maybe, maybe some time trials we're doing in June, we're doing race across America, um, a team of eight, we're raising money for, for veterans who are transitioning into, um, you know, the, the, the workforce from, from military service and serving the country. And, uh, that's going to be an amazing experience. So yeah, I just, I just find a lot of, a lot of enjoyment riding the bike. And so I'm going to, I'm going to shift more to, to doing that type of riding. Well, that's really great. I, and we really are excited. I'm excited to get to see it more races in my world. Um, now, do you have any plans to do like any other lifetime portfolio, like the Unbound XL, or are you looking more at other like across America challenges, like the Divide Challenge, or what do you think your world's going to unfold like in this world? Yeah, it, it's it's open for adventure. Um, I, I'm going to tackle uh, Cape Epic again in 2023. Um, which is the eight day mountain bike stage race, um, uh, in, in South Africa. Um, I'd love to explore the entire, um, lifetime series. Uh, that, that's always, you know, you find a good series that puts on a great races and you want to, you want to have that same experience all over the place. Um, mm -hmm. hopefully this year I'm going to do La Ruta, uh, which is a three day stage race in, in Costa Rica. Um, so yeah, I'm just open to just fun adventures and gravel riding and, um, just, just, as, there's just so many cool races and the community is amazing. I mean, that's what I found with the hundred too, that the cycling community was, was the greatest support of, of all of, of the, the community here in Utah. And they really embraced us. And I made a, a lot of amazing, amazing, uh, lifetime friends, uh, as, as I was doing, doing that and, and engaging with the community. Well, gosh, and Utah has such great support groups and both running, running and biking and their trail running and trail biking communities are even a bigger extension of that so you definitely couldn't be in a better place we're both very spoiled for sure now i'd love to kind of get more into the strategy side of things um you know it's obviously very chaotic to be preparing for the things you prepared for in life but when you prepared for leadville i imagine strategy wise you probably did a decent job dialing that but what did that look like when you came out did you did you have a crew and will you make changes from that this year yeah to be, to be honest with you again i was super naive um and new to to the mountain biking world and and i literally drove out the night before i i slept in my car um, I had no support. I self-supported the race. And then after the race, I got in my car and, and drove home. Um, and, and so I'm hoping for a very different experience this time. I'm actually going down with uh, a couple cyclists, uh, Dan and Bry Hoops are actually going to be doing a tandem in your race. Um, they were a huge support and I got to meet them on the Conquer 100. 
Um, and so I'm going to be staying with them and they've got a crew set up that they're going to take care of me. Um, and, and so I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to a very different experience than I did my first time, both in um, knowledge about the race, support system, family. Um, I, I was just really out there by myself wandering around just trying to stay on my bike. Well, and you have the ability to do that. I'm not sure that all of our family members do, to be quite honest. I mean, they don't, they all don't come out here and find success right away. Heck, if we get three of them in a room together, tell them to look right, left, and forward, one of those people's not going to make it. So, And then in our run, we just tell them to look at their buddy and tell them one of them's not going to make it. But so spending spending the day out there that first time just kind of wandering around, what were some of the biggest mistakes you made like with gear? And then I'd like to revisit the same uh, question with nutrition and fuel. You know, I, I think I, I think I did I did really good with gear. Um, I I just I, I, I used the, the couple aid stations that you guys had set up and I timed it well. Um, I was probably carrying a little bit too much weight just with, with uh, hydration trying to get me through because I was self-supported. I'm going to go a little bit lighter, a little bit leaner on, on nutrition uh, because I will have that support. Um, I, I'll probably um, try to get through the, the, the stations faster. I, I, I managed to to somehow get the, the small the small belt buckle <laughs> my first time around. And um, it's not on display because it's the small one. And so that that's my that's my goal this year is to come back and be a little bit more strategic and and uh, and and see if we can actually get the the big bigger bigger buckle. <laughs> hey, you're you've you've got a sub ten hour time, and I'd take a lot of pride in that. I've I've got everything from a twelve oh six to a big one myself. So. You know, I don't, I don't worry. I take a lot of pride. Well, I'll, I'll take a lot of pride in those little ones. I got a little one last year, but so, okay. Uh, what's on you this year? What's on your bike? Are you pack or bottles? Uh, will you have like a coat and, and what do you think you'll carry between, between aid stations? Yeah, I, um, you know, I, I use a lot of natural stuff when I'm riding, um, in, in my bottles, I, I you know, I, have been using, uh, it's a company called first form. I've been using uh, their hydration system, uh, which works really, really well. And then I like, I like salt and uh, a little bit of savory. So I do some, some meat sticks, uh, to, to give me a little bit of protein and, and, um, I like, I like the, to break up the, the sweetness of, of everything that's in race day nutrition. Um, I actually think I'm going to go with, um, and I'll still test it out a bunch, but I've been doing some gravel riding and I've done a, you know, I did Rebecca Rush's, uh, private Idaho. Uh -huh. and, and I actually really enjoyed, I really, I really enjoyed the, um, waste pack, um, that you put around okay. you and I can put everything in there and, um, high, hydration wise too. And just keeps the bike a little bit more, more limber, uh, light and limber and, and able to handle a little bit better. So I'll probably go with one bottle on the bike and then, um, a hydration waste pack. I mean, I guess I've kind of gone a similar route, so I think that's very wise, but, uh, also, you know, I realize running's not really your focus right now, but for our running side of the family, what were you 
having the most success with more in those long triathlon challenges as far as nutrition and fuel that you think would translate to Leadville for those runners that are going to be out there 28 to 30 hours? Yeah. Um, calories, calories are, are always king and it, and it really depends on each individual. And this is one of the most underlooked aspects during the training process is everyone's so focused on, you know, okay, I got to get my miles in, I got to get my speed work in, I got to get my tempo in. And they do these, these shorter and possibly some longer workouts. Um, but they're not actually testing what they plan to use on race day. And that's, that's one of the biggest mistakes people can make. You should get to a race like Leadville knowing exactly what your body processes well because you've tested it over and over again and and there should be no mystery what you're going to take on race day and again i, I love uh, i love meat sticks i love uh, applesauce um, easily digestible um type of stuff like the applesauce or um, um uh, isi gels are awesome um just anything that absorbs really fast into, into your system we did a we did an adventure race across fiji and we were in the back jungle of uh, Fiji for eight days um, and we had to carry our own food and, and whatnot and we, we just really learned quickly that what we craved and it was it was it was just ramen noodles and broth um, really got us through a lot of those hard points um, and so if you can have the ability and you've got a good support crew um, again know what your body craves and needs and so you have to try to simulate that the best you can in training but again everybody's going to be different and it needs to be part of your training program is what am I going to consume? How much of it? What does my body re react well to? And so on days where you are practicing and you feel well, write a journal, write that down, and then try to duplicate the exact same thing. And if you have multiple days where you're starting to feel good using that, that, that strategy, then just continue to refine and make that better. Awesome. And another thing I'd like to hit on, because uh, I think people get a little excited early on and, uh, you know, we get a little more injured closer to race day. But what, what do you suggest people be doing for their training right now, more for the bike than for the run? And uh, how would you step that up as we get closer to race day? I do realize this is different for you, especially with having challenges like RAM on your docket. Yeah, you know, I, I'm approaching both of them fairly the same way. Um, mountain biking is a lot of interval work. It's like recover on the downs, hammer the ups. Recover on the downs, hammer the ups. Try to have good tempo on the on the in between sections. And, and this early right now in the stage that I'm at, it's not really long stuff. It is short, intense bursts, power and speed. Um, you know, a lot of people say this is an endurance sport. Um, it's a muscular endurance sport. And what's going to limit you on race day is the amount of power you can produce for how long. Um, it's not going to be your cardiovascular system because if you're prepared, your, your cardiovascular system aligns with your fitness. And it's just a byproduct of fitness. What's going to stop you is how much power you can produce. Because when your legs are done and they're heavy and they feel like rocks, high power output's going to be hard to do. So strength training and high intensity intervals is what I'm focusing on right now. Boy, that's such great advice. I love hearing that. I, I kind of thought you'd have more of a base answer and I love that you didn't. So I think that's good news for me at least. <laughs> now, I, <laughs> you, good. you know, I thank you so much, but you know, what do you think of when you hear the word Leadville? 
Dude, lack of oxygen and full-on intensity. But I also think of unbelievable views, camaraderie, and experience. And and this isn't, you know, a lot of people get tied up and, and, and bogged down with times and watts and all of these things. And at the end of the day, just go out and have a beautiful experience. And you, you can you can control your training, your preparation, but you can't always control the individual that happens to show up on race day. And sometimes it's good and sometimes it's bad. <laughs> and so it's always great to have a goal. Like my goal, big buckle, right? Yes. And, but it's also, uh, I have secondary and, 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 and third level goals. And it's, it could be cross the finish line, uh, help somebody else on the course, have a great experience, smile all day long. Because those are things. Smiling all day long is something that I can control, and and a goal that I can that I can achieve. Um, because sometimes you know the the athlete you want to show up and have prepared to be doesn't show up on race day, and and and, and it's not a complete loss if if I don't get that big belt buckle. Is that a bonus? Is that a win? Absolutely. But I, I'm there to have an experience, to laugh with friends, to to high five other athletes, and to to continue to be part of this this family, this tribe, this community. And, and that's to me what Leadville is. Well, I tell you, I can't thank you enough for your time today. I am super excited that you reached out to my team. I'm super excited that I'm going to be racing with you in August. Um, is Before I let you go, is there anything else you want to share with your Leadville family? Uh, man, I'm just I'm just super excited to, to like you said be part of the family and to to have that experience with everybody and and I, and I think it's just important for everyone to realize to to take your training one day at a time and yes Leadville is daunting yes Leadville is a extreme challenge um, but let's take that goal off the table for a minute and let's just focus on what you can control what's right in front of you today's tomorrow's challenge um, which is getting through your daily training. And if you just control those, you be consistent, you're going to show up on race day and Leadville, this sounds crazy, but Leadville will be a victory lap for you. If you do the work now, you show up and you're ready and it's going to be an amazing experience. Well, what great advice. I can't wait to have my victory lap with you and thank you so much for your time today. <laughs> have a great week. Well, there you have it, Leadville family. They just don't make them any tougher than the Iron Cowboy. So I hope you enjoyed what you've heard. I hope you've learned a few things. I hope you're excited about August, ready to come race with the Iron Cowboy as you both chase the silver and gold that you've trained so hard for. But until then, don't forget to give us a like and a subscribe wherever you're getting your podcasts. And we can't wait to see you at home. We can't wait to see you in Leadville.